I'm Scott Leahy, and this is Esker on Air. Today, I'd like to welcome Bob Cohen, Vice President of Research and Marketing at Arden Partners. Ardent and Esker have partnered for years, including Esker's sponsorship of the State of ePayables report every year. Uh, and Bob is here to talk about both trends in accounts payable and how to unify AP with procurement. So, Bob, welcome to the podcast. Scott, thank you. Yeah, uh, Ardent's enjoyed a, a long and um, collaborative relationship with Esker and pleased to be here today. Looking forward to this. I thought maybe before I begin, for those of you that may not be familiar with Ardent, uh, we're a research advisory firm that's based out of Boston. We're primarily focused on the source to settle process, which includes everything from procurement, AP, the broader procure to pay, as well as the contingent workforce. We work with clients and publish research that helps practitioners really make better decisions on what they need, on the technology options that are available to them that fit within their budget and requirements. So our team is made up of industry experts with a long history um, within the industries. So a little background there that might be helpful. Great. And, you know, um, yeah, appreciate the rundown on what Ardent does, but I'm kind of curious, what is what does your day to day look like there? Uh, my day to day is quite varied. You know, we do produce quite a bit of primary research here. My specific area is accounts payable or e-payable. So it's everything from how invoices get submitted by suppliers all the way through receipt, workflow, approval, and payment of those invoices. So on any given day, I could be writing research. I could be talking to practitioners about what they're doing, collecting data from them, as well as working with solution providers like Esker um, on go-to-market strategies, presenting on various topics. Um, during the intro, we mentioned the uh, State of ePayables report that Esker sponsors. So I'll do a presentation with Esker talking about the findings of the report there. So really, it's quite varied from, from day to day. But uh, the nice part about the job is you get to work with great companies like Esker who have awesome solutions. We get to work with practitioners to understand their needs, collect their insights, collect their um, trends and strategies, and then present it back. So really, um, it's really quite varied from day to day. Great. Well, um, digging right into it, you know, inflation is a popular topic these days. Uh, <laughs> but but how is inflation and the possibility of a recession? How is that altering uh, an organization's procurement strategy? Sure. Although I I might uh, we might get some argument that inflation is popular today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's popular with anybody out there. It's prevalent out there. Sure. It's in the top of the news. But I don't think it's popular. We're not um, excited about it. No one's really excited about inflation uh, for the most part. But, you know, to the question there, you know, inflation is a top risk facing procurement this year as well as last year and, you know, likely going forward into next year as well. While inflation has slowed in the U.S., it continues to rise rapidly in other areas of the world. And it's important to understand that a large component of the overall price increases that we've experienced over the past couple of years has been driven by corporations seeking really to improve profits rather than pure economic inflation. In some industries, profits are reaching historical highs, which means that this is an area where there'll be continue to be opportunities for sourcing teams to kind of push back and negotiate better pricing. So while we see the inflation going on, there's actually, it's a double-edged sword, there's an opportunity for procurement and sourcing teams to go out and say, you know, we're not buying into this. There's other suppliers available where we can 
get better deals. So it's, it's an, actually an opportunity as prices rise for procurement and sourcing teams to add some value to the mix there. Um, and, you know, as inflation is topical and continues to be um, readily prevalent in not only the U.S., but the world, it's important and imperative for procurement teams to really lead the fight against inflation um, and to make sure, as I mentioned before, that they're not just accepting these price increases, that they're actually dealing with suppliers and talking to them and saying, you know, okay, you know, can we do better on the prices here? These things have gone up. So it's really imperative and really, you know, quite, um, you know, a, a huge opportunity for procurement teams and sourcing teams to prove their worth to the organization there. Um, the second part of the question that you asked was recession. Um, and as for a recession, it feels very unlikely today that we're going to experience a deep recession. However, with the market volatility and the geopolitical unrest that we're seeing, you know, it still remains a possibility. But in our opinion and based upon our research and conversations with practitioners and industry leaders, we see this as you know, highly unlikely. So, um, you know, it's unclear if the global monetary policies that are going on with rising interest rates are having the desired effect to control inflation as quick as we like. Um, you know, and as this occurs, you know, we think that, you know, obviously the shorter supply of money can lead to recessionary pressures, but we're seeing uh, an area where in the U.S., the, the really the, the intended effect of the rising interest rates is slowing the economy, but not to the point where it's going to really put us into a recession here in North America. And as I mentioned, we don't see a global recession going on um, of any significance in the long term. Well, recent uh, supply shortages and shipping disruptions. So those things, they seem to have made supply continuity one of the top priorities for procurement. Um, what are organizations doing to limit that risk? Sure. I mean, number one is gaining visibility and control over supplier risk can be challenging, even for the most sophisticated enterprises who have de dedicated risk management teams. The task really requires constant monitoring of multiple sources of information with different perspectives on risk and a willingness to really reach across the enterprise and the supplier base for help and for collaboration and for communication. Um, you know, the really the the objective here and what companies can do to, to mitigate risk, you know, is to really find help in managing risk from their suppliers, from other parts of the organization, uh, and really maintaining, um, you know, better areas of communication uh, and better visibility into what's going on. If you understand where your supply base is located, and if you have a single supplier and something happens to that supplier, you know, you are putting your organization at risk. And I think we saw that in the past couple of years, you know, less diligence was placed on supply bases and understanding where they were. And obviously the ongoings of the past couple of years put that front and center. So really understanding where your suppliers are, how important that supplier is to your overall organization and not letting yourself be held hostage by a single supplier or be put in a position where your organization is threatened because you don't have access to the goods and services that you need. So improving visibility is critical. Understanding 
you know, what your needs are and understanding what suppliers are available to you in order to, to manage that and to keep your continuity going on uh, are all critical areas that we need to take kind of take a look into, you know, from a procurement organization. And it's, it's something certainly that was thrust front and center during the pandemic in the past couple of years uh, with everything that was going on there. So I think, you know, if there's a positive outcome of the past couple of years, it's that organizations had to take a, a really long, hard look at their supply bases and understand where their risks were, where the uncertainty was, and work to, to mitigate and to really fortify their supply base. So you know, that, that's kind of a positive outcome of the past couple of years, uh, because, you know, without that, things would have gone on as usual and, you know, they wouldn't be better off as I think many of them are today. Many procurement organizations, many enterprises are better off today because they had to take a cold, hard look at their supply chain and take the necessary steps to fortify it. Yeah, and I think my takeaway from your answer there is that organizations are learning that they need to become, um, you know, more agile with this ever-changing environment. So, how can procurement teams improve that agility? Um, improve the the agility for responding to future disruptions. Yeah, I mean, some of the you know steps that organizations should take to improve their agility is, you know, first off kind of form a cross-functional enterprise risk management teams to holistically manage enterprise risk. You want to understand what your requirements are, where the suppliers are, and it's really tough to do this from one perspective. So you want to perform, you want to create these cross-functional teams so you have multiple insights into what's going on and what's necessary and how, you know, where risk might lie and where the opportunity is to mitigate these risk factors there. So that's kind of number one. You know, when you're thinking of the supply base, you know, you want to understand where your suppliers are located. And in order to do that, you need to put more feet on the street to learn local laws and customs. You know, we're not, you know, many of the organizations that we talk to are not just doing business within North America. You know, many of them, or if not most of them, you know, source goods and services from outside the U.S. So it's critical to understand the local laws and the customs, uh, you know, and part of the challenge is to maintain an understanding of what's going on and the myriad of risks that present themselves. So as you learn local laws, as you learn local customs, you're able to create a plan to become more agile should something happen in one area of the world or with one supply supplier or segment of suppliers there. Um, you know, another step in order to mitigate the risk is collaborate with suppliers and, and enlist their help. You know, suppliers know their markets as well, if not better than the buying customers. Suppliers are also familiar with the local laws and regulations. Um, and it can be extremely valuable to get their insight and perspective and knowledge and advice on, you know, what might be coming down the road. So definitely want to collaborate with suppliers and enlist their help there. Um, you know, additionally, you know, another step is to leverage third party information and risk management services to round out whatever internal capabilities you may have there. Um, you know, what we saw the past couple of years is that with an internal data and supplier teams fell short in painting a complete picture of the risk and the situation that were going on globally. However, the good news is 
there are organizations and providers out there that can enhance your knowledge of suppliers and regions and provide you with all sorts of scoring capabilities um, that can really round out your knowledge and capabilities and understanding and help you mitigate any kind of risks that are going on there. Um, so, you know, those are a couple of things uh, that we recommend when you're taking a look at how do you mitigate risk. You know, we can certainly, you know, have a long conversation about this, but kind of at a high level, those are some of the steps that I would recommend organizations look into. Yeah, and we we talk about trends a lot on this show. Um, investing in cloud-based solutions have been a trend for a very long time now. Um, often these initiatives, they get started with an emphasis on replacing those manual and redundant processes. Uh, however, though, it, it seems recently these digital transformation projects, they become more focused uh, on more holistic solutions that may bring multiple processes into a single platform. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you say is the leading, uh, what is leading procurement teams uh, and organizations as a whole to, to go down this path? Necessity survival, uh, in all honesty there, I mean, and, and not to be flip um, about it, but organizations realize that, um, you know, siloed solutions or siloed departments are not the path forward to success in most organizations. And, you know, we saw that over the past couple of years, organizations realize that AP plays a critical role in the entire procure to pay or source to pay process there and having technologies that are more holistic and end-to-end -end solutions where somebody has visibility into when things are sourced, when they're purchased, when they're delivered, when they're received, when they're paid, provides much greater value to the organization than having point solutions that don't exchange information. You know, if you think about procurement and sourcing. And that's great. That's what we plan to do. That's what's budgeted. So, you know, we as an organization, for example, decided to buy a thousand widgets. That's what the order was placed in for, you know, but what, what was delivered may be different. The quality, the quantity, the timing of it may be different. So unless you have AP connected to sourcing and procurement, you're only getting one part of the story. And so by connecting all of these operations in the source to pay um, arena there and looking at it holistically, you have greater visibility. You can understand, um, you know, are you being delivered what you ordered? Are you receiving the best price for it? Are there additional discounts? Are there better um, negotiations that you can have with your suppliers? So really just increased visibility is really the, the key. And, you know, with visibility comes access to the data and more you can access the data, you can create knowledge and value to the organization to really improve the overall operation. So you can help reduce cost. You can help improve profitability. So, you know, those are the reasons why you want to take a look at a holistic end-to-end -end solution. Um, and obviously cloud-based solutions, um, you know, are pretty much, you know, all that's available these days. Um, you know, there's, there's probably a few legacy systems out there on, that still use some on-prem solutions, but for the most part, we're seeing as cloud-based solutions and cloud-based solutions, uh, you know, the platforms are, you know, are built for this. They're not built for a single application. You can run many applications 
um, in a single instance that the entire organization can use. And it doesn't have to worry about latency. Uh, you know, if I'm here in the US and Scott, for instance, you're in Australia uh, and somebody else is in Europe, you know, everybody's in the cloud. Everyone has access to the same information simultaneously. So it's one version of the truth and it really provides greater visibility, which you can then turn into knowledge and leverage for the betterment of the entire organization. Thinking about the uh, the people side of things, with uh, technology changing the way that procurement operates, how can organizations avoid issues with uh, that the the talent and skill alignment? Sure, um, you need to understand the skill set required not only today for your team but also going into the future. So. Um, you know, having a, a talented and skilled procurement team or AP team is essential for the future success, not only of those departments, but the organization as a whole there. And it's necessary to invest in training and development to ensure that the team has the right and necessary skills to, to execute not only today, but also um, well into the future there. It's important that you take a look at what skills are needed today what skills are gonna be needed into the future. And you provide upskilling, you provide training. You know, one of the things that we talk about um, and research um, and look into is what skills practitioners think they're gonna to need to be successful in the future. And it comes back with not surprisingly, it's um, how do we become uh, you know, better at preventing fraud, recognizing it and mitigating it. How do we provide a better customer service mentality? How do we provide uh, better access to information for other parts of the organization as well as suppliers there? So you need to take a look at what skills your team has today and going forward, what skills, you know, what you want the department to look like. You need to provide training for them and upskilling for them to make sure that they can handle, um, you know, what, what the future holds. And, you know, part of this also is, you may not have the skills in house or the person with the skills in house. So you can go to contingent workforce labor as well. Um, you know, third parties and kind of leverage that resource on an ad hoc basis as well. So it's not as if you know, we, you know, we have a critical skill that no one possesses here until someone learns that and we hire somebody for that. There's actually contingent workforce resources that are available to help you kind of fill that gap either, you know, temporarily or permanently. What would you say procurement's role is in uh, corporate sustainability evolving? Um, as far as corporate sustainability, you're talking more, you know, we're talking about ESG um, on the side of the fence there. Um, right. And, you know, ESG initiatives are, They've become critical to organizations and expected, obviously, to remain so and increase going forward. Consumers, employees, and investors are becoming increasingly socially conscious and demanding transparency and accountability from businesses. And failing to address these ESG issues could result in damage or loss of market value, market share. Um, and you know, also prioritizing ESG initiatives can also lead to a competitive edge as well as enabling um, you to get new customers and new investment, new investors um, as well. Um, you know, it's important to note that governments and regulators are also focused on ESG issues. 
um, and are implementing new regulations and guidelines that promote sustainability and social responsibility and compliance with these regulations isn't optional in many cases. It's becoming required and uh, you, you need to make sure that you get ahead of that and that your procurement team has the skills, has the knowledge uh, in order to do that. And you know, it's kind of interesting. I was reading a paper recently and there, there was um, a quote about you know, ESG and you know, adopting it. And I think many people look at it in the wrong vein there. Um, you know, rather than providing a term, you know, a justification in terms of cost savings, it's more important to frame it in terms of cost avoidance, in terms of compliance failure, which can be extremely expensive there. So while you know, doing the right thing may not always be the cheapest thing, it may actually, in the long term, as we mentioned, get you more customers uh, and help you avoid some of the penalties for non-compliance, bad press, all of these things um, that can go along with um, not being compliant and not being kind of aware of the broader world and, and the regulations that are going on there. So AP is changing just as rapidly as procurement is. Uh, as these two functions are linked, how can they grow and how can they evolve together to better align over time? Sure. Um, we talked a little about this before. Collaboration is key. Understanding what upstream procurement is doing as well as downstream AP is doing. You need to have visibility, 360 degree visibility. For far too long, AP and procurement were siloed, if you will, and the organizations didn't talk to one another. Um, and so as far as how can they ensure future success, it's understanding, having appreciation for what the other team does, understanding why they're doing something, how they're doing something, so that each team can uh, really input you know, what their needs are, their advice, uh, recommendations there. And what we found from talking to practitioners is, you know, those teams that collaborate more closely are more successful. There's less uh, gotcha moments that come out. Well, I didn't know that was happening. We didn't know that this was going on. You know, a great example of this is um, I did a presentation a couple of years ago and I mentioned just this, how AP and procurement need to collaborate with one another. They need to talk to each other about, you know, what they're doing. And, you know, somebody, um, one of the, the practitioners in attendance there said, you know, yes, exactly. I have a great example, a great story for this. She's on the AP side and her counterpart was in the procurement side. Um, she said, you know, when an invoice came in, we were taking all the discounts that were on the invoice, whether or not they were earned or not. So it was a 210, uh, a 2% discount of paid within 10 days. Um, however, they were taking discounts after the 10 day period just because they thought they could. Um, and so, they thought they were saving the company money by doing this. One day she went out to lunch with her counterpart in procurement and she told the story to her procurement counterpart and the procurement counterpart said, oh, okay, that makes sense because this supplier was adding 2% to the cost of good they sold them right off the top and they didn't understand why. Suppliers understand what's going on. They're not gonna lose money. You know, if, they're if someone's taking a discount that's not earned, most of the time, someone's going to call them on it. So by these two teams collaborating with one another, you know, they have a better understanding of what's going on. And while AP thought it was doing a great job, it really had a, a net zero effect because or net gain effect because um, 
the, the supplier was adding increased costs. So they're taking 2% off, but the supplier increased their costs. So really collaboration is clear, is, is critical. Uh, you know, joint planning, joint understanding um, of each other's operations is critical as well. And also, you know, a way to better align these two organizations is to have them share a scorecard, if you will. If AP is based upon X and procurement is based upon Y and sourcing is based upon W and each of them pull in their own direction, that doesn't help engender collaboration. If you get teams that share commonality in their scorecards and what their objectives are, the metrics by which they're matter, measured, that's critical. And now while it's not going to be everything across the board, but there needs to be some shared um, scorecard items there, objectives, KPIs, whatever it may be that everyone can get incentivized upon. Because as we know, you know, if you're all pulling in the same direction, it's better for the entire organization and really just increases the value many times over. Now, you mentioned before silos and how those need to be broken down. When breaking down those silos between AP and procurement, uh, what are the benefits to the organization? Better visibility, better agility, better continuity. Uh, I mean, kind of go on and on. Um, as we break down those silos between the two organizations, we have a better understanding of what we were what we purchased, what we thought we were purchasing, um, who our suppliers are. So, really, breaking down the silos is is critical to you know, just improving overall effectiveness of both departments and, and collectively there. So, you know, one hand knows what the other one is doing there. If, you know, another a great example is, you know, as AP does its job and as AP gets more automated, uh, it probably is managing its cash much better. It's being able to approve invoices much faster. Uh, it's, it's, it's readying those invoices to be paid um, at a quicker rate if need be, you know, but, you know, what does this mean from a, a, a visibility perspective? Throw in treasury into the mix here. Now, treasury controls the cash that the organization has. So if AP has opened up its visibility to treasury and treasury now knows how much money it needs to pay its invoices at any given time, it can do a better job managing the money of the organization there. And in rising interest rate environment that we're in, you know, cash is king once again. And, you know, whether or not we hold on to money, whether or not we pay it out sooner uh, can have a huge impact on the profitability of the organization. So breaking down these silos opens up visibility to the entire organization and lets data and information and knowledge be shared collectively uh, for the betterment of the entire organization. Well, now, now taking that, that answer you just gave there and getting a little bit more specific and thinking about action items, how does technology play a role in this? Sure, technology is the great enabler. Uh, we talked about holistic end-to-end -end systems. Um, and if you have one version of the truth rather than multiple versions of the truth, technology helps um, organizations you know, share this information because now you have you know, one version of the truth if you're taking a look at a system that you know goes from source to pay, you know you don't have to. You can find out uh, everything you need to know about a purchase that was made, rather than having to go into multiple different systems. So the technology that we have today 
whether it's a single source to pay solution, whether there's multiple solutions that are integrated, technology is really a great enabler. Uh, it enables visibility, it enables uh, more people to have access to the information that need access to the information. And, and really technology enables you to have a, a broader, better version of the truth. Now you're getting a much clearer, much broader understanding of what's going on rather than having to have bits and pieces and trying to marry those together. And, you know, and oftentimes the data and the information in separate systems doesn't look the same. So there's a lot of work and massaging that needs to go on. But when you're looking at a single system there, everything's integrated. Now you have one version of the truth and it makes everyone's job a lot easier, whether it's that treasurer I mentioned, whether it's your CPO, your CFO, whether it's your business unit, your suppliers, whoever it may be, they have better access to the information and a, a more complete version of the truth. Well, Bob, big thanks for, uh, for being a guest on the show here today. Um, really appreciate you coming on. It was an interesting conversation. Thank you, Scott. I enjoyed it and uh, look forward to our next conversation. Uh, and for everyone listening, if you have any questions, uh, if you have any interest in what we discussed today, check out the show notes for more information on Arden Partners uh, and keep an eye out for the 2023 State of ePayables report that'll be coming later this year. Uh, and as always, if you're interested in learning more about Esker, you can find us at esker.com. Thanks for tuning in today and we'll talk to you next time. <music>